fun to be around this group and um, observe how they've navigated through these last few months as we've all had to. It's time for the Ben Sherrington Show. Every Sunday on the Pirates Radio Network. For all Pirates breaking news, updates, and information, as well as a chance to win exclusive prizes, follow the Pirates on Twitter, at Pirates to Snapchat. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Pirates. And on Instagram at Pittsburgh Pirates. Find out more at Pittsburgh.com slash Connect. It's the Ben Sherrington Show. Every Sunday on the Pirates Radio Network. Mark for today, the Pirates host the Cincinnati Reds' concluding game of the four-game series. Ben Sherrington Show, Greg Brown here with the Pirates general manager in the Bucko radio booth at PNC Park. So much to get to. The trade deadline has uh, passed since we last chatted, Ben. But first, got to start out with the uh, devastating injury last night. Anthony Alford, uh, who had just uh, started an opportunity that you gave him to play in the big leagues and was uh, showing signs of that athleticism. He uh, breaks his uh, right elbow, crashing into the wall last night. Derek Shelton, Ben, last night said, and we talked to him on the pregame show coming up in about a half an hour, how he felt almost sick to his stomach. What was your feeling? Well, it was really hard to see. Uh, I think Anthony felt like uh, this was a a bit of a fresh start for him and uh, was really excited and kind of quickly uh, kind of becoming integrated into the team and getting a chance to play. And you could see that smile on his face and how excited he was to be out there. And uh, we were certainly hopeful he'd have a chance to continue to get some playing time here in September and kind of put himself in a, in a solid position going into the offseason. Um, he, he'll still be in a good position going into the offseason. But, uh, yeah, it was a tough break yesterday. I think maybe, you know, I, I think the way it happened reflects a bit about who Anthony Alford is. And he just uh, incredibly uh, plays the game incredibly hard. Um, he's also really fast and strong. So when he's going full speed into a hard surface like a wall, um, something bad might happen and sure enough it did last night um so he, you know he, i saw the x-ray is a very clean break uh so it's just going to have to heal the prognosis should be good uh, he'll recover um but it's going to take some time and and he was disappointed for sure it's hard for him you know he's here he's, he wants to make an impression and, and he did a little bit early already uh but we'll just need to support him and and get him back healthy and then uh, make sure he gets into a good position to have a strong off season. So, Ben, he's under team control, so you'll have him for next year. Uh, He'll, I guess, battle spring training if he's healthy uh, for one of the outfield spots. Yeah, I think, you know, look, I think looking ahead, certainly we have some more uh, games to play, important games to play this year, and more to watch, more to learn. Uh, But we can start looking forward into into that, into the offseason in spring training. I think we're going to have... We, we expect and want to have a lot of competition. Uh, I, I would expect it to be a very competitive uh, spring training environment uh, with the group we currently have and perhaps some additions uh, this off season. And, uh, and part of getting better is creating that competitive environment where uh, you know guys are in a competitive situation, bringing out their best. You know, you think about uh, Shelton and I were talking about this this morning. Think about it, uh, some of the position players that have really stepped up this year and, and played played well, maybe maybe taking a step in their game. Guys like Colin Moran and Eric Gonzalez and guys like that um, came into spring training, you know, knowing that they had to compete, knowing that there was, uh, whether it was compete to make the team or compete to get playing time, uh, there's something at stake. So uh, sometimes there's a correlation between those two things. So we want to make sure it's a competitive environment 
uh, going forward, we certainly expect it to be that case going into next spring. I imagine, uh, Ben, on these programs with you, we'll chat then next spring uh, for sure about philosophy uh, because I've heard both schools of thought that uh, in spring training it's good to have a lot of competition from, from some circles. Others say if you have a lot of competition, it means you're probably not a real good team because <laughs> you don't have established players. Well, I think it does. You know, look, it, I think you always ought to have a competitive environment whenever you're on the field together. I think that, uh, you know, probably some exceptions, certainly some players that reach a level where uh, they're so established that they know their, their names in the lineup uh, whenever they want it to be in the lineup. And, uh, you know, and, and as we build a winning team, you know, we'll have some of those players. Um, but there's, there's, you know, this this game is is and ought to be a meritocracy of, of and so that means we we absolutely support uh, players and we're going to do everything we can to help them get better and opportunity is part of that. Um, but competition and meritocracy are are, are are part are parts of it too, and so we have to have that mindset, uh, you know, given where we are right now. Then uh, the trade deadline passed since your last show last Sunday, and I know you addressed uh, the media, but may, and we may be a bit repetitive, but uh, you decided to pretty much hold pat. There were just, I guess, there were offers out there, and you just didn't feel real good about them. Yeah, you know, I, I think I've used this analogy in other settings, but um, preparing for the deadline or winter meetings or you know different times of the year where trades might happen, it's sort of like a sort of like a position player preparing for an at bat. Um, you know, you have a, a, a position player might have a physical routine. He's getting his swing ready. Uh, he's studying the opposing pitcher. He's, get, he's kind of getting his mind ready for an at-bat. He, go, he walks up to the plate um, knowing what he's, what he's looking for and being, being ready to, physically ready to put on a good swing. Uh, and then he's got to make a decision when the pitch comes um, if there's an opportunity or not. And um, good hitters, if that opportunity is not there, if it's not the right pitch, they take it and wait for the next one or in some cases even wait for the next at-bat if there's not – if it just if the pitch isn't good enough, I think that's kind of the same with trades. Uh, we work our tails off to be prepared for opportunities as they come. Uh, look for opportunities. We want to take advantage of opportunities. You know, when we do get an opportunity where we think it's going to help the Pirates long term, we have to be prepared to to act on that. Um, sometimes those opportunities just aren't there. Sometimes the pitch just isn't good enough, and you know we just got to be patient, stay disciplined, and wait for the next one. Are you disappointed? Surprised? that a deal wasn't made because we talked about this I think a couple of weeks ago with you that uh, like every general manager you get fired up for that trade deadline yeah sure I mean I think we we get even though I, I understand the, you know sort of tangible examples of moves are um, more fun to talk about certainly easier to talk about when those happen um, but within baseball operations frankly we we get fired up just to be part of the process like you know the process of digging into other players' teams and examining opportunities, weighing value, um, trying to be creative and finding solutions to different different kinds of trade opportunities. That's That part's really fun. Of course, over time, we want that to turn into outcomes, uh, you know, that actually help us, and I'm, and I'm confident they will. Uh, this particular deadline, for a variety of reasons, um, you know, we just, we just weren't presented with opportunities that we really think – we really thought made us better, and uh, so we've in, in, when that happens, uh, we, we've got to be disciplined enough just to wait. I haven't asked you this yet, Ben. Uh, over the years, I've talked to a number of general managers who just can't stand the, the, the trade rumor mill. Um, 
word gets out through agents mainly, I suppose, maybe players talk, maybe general managers talk. Uh, it seemed apparent that something was close with the Toronto Blue Jays, so much so that Joe Musgrove said on a Zoom press conference call the other day to members of the media that he appreciated your call to him to let him know where things stood. Well, you know, first of all, uh, I get it, most teams at, at, a, at a time like the trade deadline or the winter meetings that happen sometimes, but certainly at the trade deadline, you're talking to you're literally talking to 29 other teams and talking about all kinds of things, all kinds of players, both sides. Um, and, you know, first of all, 99 out of 100 times it doesn't go anywhere. You know, it's just a, it's just a conversation and you're learning about each other. Even, on the, even in those cases where maybe there is a little bit of traction um, or there's more discussion, um, usually those don't see the light of day, and often those don't actually come to fruition. Every once in a while, uh, a conversation will be made public. Uh, I don't really know why that particular one was around you know, Joe and the, and the Blue Jays, but uh, once it made, was made public, however it became public, uh, yeah, I called Joe, and, and I would do that for in any case where that happened um, because in that, at that point I want, I want Joe, in this case I want Joe to you know, know everything I knew and I, so I told him everything I knew I told him exactly you know, <laughs> what conversations we had, what conversations we didn't have um, I think that's all you can do in that situation is just be transparent and tell him what happened and, um, and also tell him as I did that uh, really glad he's a pirate and uh, at that point excited to watch him come back and pitch and he, he pitched well and uh, he'll get another chance here soon Ben, it had been a handful of years since you had uh, been in a position of being a general manager. Uh, did you notice uh, uh, a big difference between the last time you were involved in the, in the last trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, you know, being with the Blue Jays the last few years, I was in the deadline meeting, so kind of, you know, pretty involved in it, uh, even even though I wasn't the GM. And so uh, had, had been close enough to it to sort of see where the game is evolving. And, um, you know, I think one thing we, we recognize, Greg, is that, uh, the days of top 50 prospects being traded around frequently <laughs> seem to be over. You know, um, occasionally guys like that will be moved in a major deal, but uh, you know the the sort of industry recognized top prospects for different teams just tend not to be traded, and that's probably not surprising. So w- what that means for us, uh, because trades will be important for us, and we need to take advantage of trade opportunities. What that means for us is we need to do. Uh, an even better job identifying uh, player value that's not so obvious that you know that maybe guys that are not uh, in the industry top 100 or in teams top tens. Every once in a while we may get access to those kinds of players, but um, often we need to find players that can help us uh, that maybe aren't as uh, as obvious publicly. We'll continue with Pirates General Manager Ben Charrington as the Pirates take on the Cincinnati Reds at PNC Park. More to come with the Bucko GM on the Pirates Radio Network. Back with Pirates General Manager Ben Charrington as the Pirates and Reds play this afternoon at PNC Park. Key Brian Hayes, since we last chatted, uh, Ben, uh, made his Major League debut, and what a debut it was. What were your feelings like when you told him he was coming up, uh, joining the team from Altoona, and then watching him uh, display the, the double and the home run to tie the game? Well, excitement for him. I, I know for every young player who uh, works hard their whole life, you know, this goes back to being a kid and growing up and, of course, being around his dad. Um, but, you know, learning to love the game and, and playing the game. And 
getting a chance to play professionally than being in the minor leagues. And the minor leagues are hard, as we all know, and you've got to you got to grind through some days. And he's done that. Um, we got a chance to get to know each other a little bit in spring training, and certainly impressed with the person uh, as well as the player. Uh, and then he's been in Altoona, um, you know, continuing to refine his game, get himself physically ready. Uh, so excited for Key because that's a big moment, and also probably an awareness that. Uh, in a couple different ways, you know, making a debut in a year like this um, is a little bit different. You know, I called Charlie um, the day before, you know, just to let him know that I was thinking we were thinking of him and realize how strange and maybe difficult it, it must be to, you know, be following his son for all this time and waiting for this day and not be able to be there. Um I know he was rooting. I know, you know, we did a great, you guys did a great job getting him on the Zoom and involving him in that way, but it's not quite the same as being in the ballpark. And uh, so excitement and, and also an awareness that, uh, you know, that moment is a little bit different than maybe he, he imagined it would be. Um, but there's a lot of baseball in Key's future, a lot of games that Charlie and his mom will be able to be at, and uh, a lot of games that uh, Pirates fans will be able to watch too. Yeah, have you known Charlie before, Ben, at all? No, you know, run into him uh, on backfields. He was working for the Phillies uh, for a while, and when I was with the Blue Jays, we played the Phillies all the time in the you know minor league spring training games, stuff like that. So I'd run into him, but didn't know him well, and um, and still don't know him well. Uh, but look forward to getting to know him over time. Uh, ben, I know you want to pat yourself on the back, I'm sure, but uh, to, to to take the time to call a player's father to tell him. You appreciate the, how strange it is. Uh, he must have really appreciated that. Well, I think there's probably a lot, <laughs> a lot of emotions going on. And uh, imagine, you know, your son about to make his debut. And so I'm not sure my phone call really. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, but it, it felt like uh, it's, it felt like I, I just wanted to acknowledge that uh, we're aware that there's a lot, a lot of things that are different about this year. That's just one of them. And um, but also that you know, he's. Obviously, you know, Key's parents care a lot about him and love him, and um, but we care a lot about him, too. He's an important part of the Pirates family also. Ben, was it total coincidence that he's called up September the 1st? Because in the past, September the 1st was when rosters expand. And I'm wondering, is anything to do with service time? Is there a way to explain that with the player's clock starting? Really, in, the, in this particular case, um, we, we really just targeted that date because it happened to come after the trade deadline and it happened to come after a road trip. Um, and so we didn't know, uh, you know, we, we, going into the trade deadline, obviously you don't know exactly what you're going to do. And we don't know which, if there are trades that happen and in, in retrospect, it didn't happen, but we don't know that. And if there are trades that happen that might change the complexion of uh, our roster in some way, uh, where that would be a factor in, in terms of what opportunities we had. So we wanted to get through that. And then in this year, um, you know, as you know, like having a player join a team on the road isn't quite as easy as it used to be. So having a, having a player join at home just seemed easier. So September 1st both fit both those criteria. It got us past the deadline, um, and it happened to be after a road trip. So it just kind of worked out that way, and um, really looking forward to seeing him play more this month. I want to talk to Ben Charrington about his uh, opportunities to see uh, what's going on in Altoona and what that might mean for the immediate future for the Pirates, uh, the players 
uh, in the future. We'll talk to Ben Charrington as we continue from PNC Park on the Pirates Radio Network. Back with more of the Ben Charrington Show, Pirates Reds today at PNC Park. We're talking about uh, Key Brian Hayes making his Major League debut. Uh, ben, and an opportunity to see him play every day at third base. I guess that, is it fair to say as you, as you look around the diamond, we talk about competition for next year. There's little competition now for Key Brian Hayes. Is he not the third baseman now for the Pirates? Well, he's certainly got every opportunity to be. I think we want to continue to push him because we know how good he can be. And uh, we think, again, as I mentioned before, being part of a competitive environment where he's, whether it's, you know, today, tomorrow, whether it's next spring, next year, where, you know, when you get to the ballpark, um, there's something that, this is something Terry Francona uh, told me years ago and always stuck with me. Um, that we want to support players, we want players to feel confident, supported, secure, um, but not necessarily showing up every day just expecting the name to be in the lineup. And so that's a that's a little bit of a balance that we want to strike. Um, but Key's a really important guy, and we want to support him. And we, you know, he is going to get an opportunity. We're going to do everything we can to help him be the best player he can be. Um, but it's still a competition, and we you know we want him coming to the ball, ballpark. You know, not necessarily taking for granted that. Um, his name is in the lineup, and that, that's the case for everybody out there. Ben, you have uh, made more than one trip to Altoona, Altoona to see the uh, satellite camp. What happens uh, in the near future to that camp? At what point do, do players go their separate ways, and do we have anything to look forward to in terms of uh, an expanded instructional league, the fall league? Any any more news on that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, with like with everything this year, we're we're really continuing to work through that and navigate through that day to day. It's a current topic of conversation. Um, we're we're going to have more clarity, I think, in the coming days. But I think my my expectation right now is that um, on or around September 18th, uh, the Altoona program would start to be wound down, and we'd have uh, we'd have a group of players that stay here in Pittsburgh and basically move into the Pittsburgh bubble, um, be part of the Pittsburgh group uh, for the remainder of the season, as as a bit as kind of a, a permanent taxi squad, um, and we'd have a group of players that may go home at that point and 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 go back to their you know training wherever they are at their at their home locations, um, and then we also may have a, a, a small group that uh, heads to Bradenton and is possibly joined by some other players uh, who are not in Altoona right now. Uh, to start some instructional league programming in Bradenton. Now we're still working through that. Uh, we're, we're, I would say we're at the relatively early stages of that planning, and there are some important hurdles to clear uh, in terms of health and safety protocol, and you know just making sure we can do it safely. Um, but that's our hope: is that we can get into some instructional league programming in, in Bradenton, uh, in, including some players who may be in Altoona right now, and including some others. Um, we're also conscious of our players in the Dominican Republic and trying to find a way to, to you know, get some programming uh, put together for them. Um, unfortunately, it's not going to include every Pirates minor leaguer, uh, likely. Um, so that's that's just a, that's just a reality of where we are. Um, but this is really important. You know, if we can figure out a way to do this safely, um, it's important that we get guys on the field. It's important that as much as as much as I believe players. Uh, we've, we have players who have continued to improve, even those who are not in Altoona. We have enough information and data and video to know that we have guys who have been working at home all year 
who have gotten better, and that's a real credit to them. It's a credit to our minor league staff for staying in touch with them. Um, but we do want to get with them in person if we can, and we hope that happens uh, here uh, at some point later on in September. And um, I will I will be excited for sure if that happens. And uh, you know, it, it, it's an important step towards next year for that group. Uh, and a guesstimate as to maybe the number of players that might be allowed in Bradenton. Yeah, not working through that, again. That probably relates a little bit to the health and safety protocol and. Um, we're, we have the great advantage of Pirate City and having a dorm facility where, you know, it makes it a lot easier for us to actually create a real bubble in Bradenton as opposed to having to use a hotel. Um, but in, in the dorm environment, we want to make sure that players are um, have enough sort of space and privacy, so spread out a little bit more than usual. So that may put some limitation on the numbers. But we'd hope to get enough players there, there that we could, play functional games, either, either inter-squad games or potentially with other teams if there are teams that uh, do do something similar, you know, local Florida teams that do something similar. That's our hope. Um, so I don't know the exact number, but uh, we're working on that. And, well, you know, we want to impact as many as we can. And then, again, uh, also have an eye on the DR. We've got a group of players uh, who are in the D, have been on, in the DR really ever since, you know, early March. Uh, again, we're trying to keep in touch with them the best we can. A lot of them do not have access to great facilities. Uh, so if we can get a touch point with that group, uh, even if it's for a short window of time, you know, I really think it puts that group in a better position going into next year, and that's really important for us. That's a, it's odd, To say the least, it's a, it's, a, it's a really important part of our player population. So we're actively working on that every day, and I hope we have a little bit more detail to share soon. And then by that you mean you'd like to, if you could, have some of those Dominican players join the Instructional League in Bradenton if possible. Well, possibly some could come to Bradenton, but then also possibly we'd, we'd put together programming. Again, if we can do it safely um, at our academy in the DR um, and bring a group of players there too. Ben, you talk about the winding down the Altoona satellite camp and some of the players uh, coming to PNC Park uh, here in, in Pittsburgh. Do you have a number in, in, in that regard? And I assume that every team then in baseball would be allowed this opportunity. That's right. I think what you'll see as we get uh, closer to the end of the season, and again, these are details that have really are really still in the works uh, between the league and the players' association, the players. Um, but I think the league just understandably, you know, wants to do everything possible to protect teams as we get down the stretch and closer to the playoffs. We know what, obviously we know what happens when uh, there's an outbreak. And if you think about that happening closer to a playoff series or in a playoff series, um, well, the stakes are just much higher. So, uh, you know, the league understandably really wants to protect that. We don't, I don't know, I still don't know exactly what that's going to look like for teams over the last several days of the season. But the point there is that any players that we would need to provide depth for the Major League team uh, would likely be coming into our bubble environment here in Pittsburgh and not leaving, you know, for the remainder of the season. That Whoever has a chance to be called up would just join the team and be on a taxi squad and be, be sort of on a permanent taxi squad. I'd, I'd expect the same. that would be the same for every team. So all where Quinn Priester and Jandel Gustave joined the Altoona camp. Why? Well, again, as we, uh, you know, you, got, you have 60 spots uh, <laughs> to work with, and what we've tried to do is all year is uh, do our best to balance uh, the needs of the Major League team, making sure we have uh, appropriate support and depth for the Major League team. Uh, 
but also taking advantage of those that group of 60 players in ways we can to um, you know to get some development opportunity for younger players. Certainly Priester uh, fits in that category. So he's he's in Altoona. Um, he's someone who would certainly be a candidate to also go to Bradenton and continue that in Bradenton, where we're just getting a bit of a head start with him. Um, and then Gustave is a guy who uh, was a you know a prospect coming up through the Astros system, had been with the Giants, and then became a free agent. And uh, we had interest in, and we were able to sign him to a minor league deal that actually goes through 2021. Uh, so he's someone that we will you know will expect to have in spring training next year. And so this is just an opportunity to get a little bit of a head start on our relationship with him and uh, hopefully design, you know, work with him to get a good plan going for the offseason. We'll continue and finish things up with the Pirates general manager. More to come with Ben Charrington on the Pirates Baseball Network. We just have a few moments left with Pirates general manager, manager Ben Charrington. We have a, a lot to get to. We'll continue that next week. Uh, ben, one thing I, I wanted to ask you about, though, the, the seven-inning doubleheader. Uh, do you like it? It looks like it's here to stay. <laughs> All the players raving about it. Yeah, it, you know, I, I don't know if it's here to stay. That'll be interesting to see. It, it does. Um, I, I think I like it. <laughs> it's like a lot of things this year. You're, You're not, not sure, sure what about you like it. it. Does I mean it did? It, it reminds me that I guess it, you know we were talking. It reminds me a little bit of you know sort of American Legion baseball in 1992 or whenever it was that I was playing American Legion baseball. You know, your Saturday seven inning doubleheaders, um, except with much better players on the field. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's a, it made a ton of sense to do it that way this year, given everything we're trying to get accomplished. Um, I think there is some benefit in just the pace that you can get two games in, and you know, I could, you can imagine uh, fans actually watching two games straight if they're seven innings, uh, you know, apiece perhaps. And um, so, like everything else, we should, uh, we should be open-minded and have everything on the table. I know you've talked about this really when the season first started. We again, we have just a couple of moments left, but I think personally it's worth trumpeting what Major League Baseball has done. I think there were 20 games the other day with all the doubleheaders, including the Pirates. It's phenomenal that all the negativity about what baseball's doing is never going to happen. Here we are, now knock on wood, got three weeks left before the regular season ends, but fantastic. I think you're right. I think we've got to stay disciplined, but um, absolutely agree with you. You know, the the, the bottom line is that the, the full neutral site bubble uh, scenarios that the NHL and NBA worked up um, made sense for the NHL and NBA because they were basically into their almost into their playoff uh, situations already and for baseball that just wasn't going to work because um, you have 30 teams still active and it's you're playing a regular season still so it had to be out of home sites and to, to be able to pull this off um, while doing it out of home sites uh, I really think is remarkable it's been an incredible effort from a lot of people uh, of course, there were some hiccups along the way, as as we all should have expected there would be. But but teams recovered from that. We're playing baseball. Um, very confident we're going to get as a league. We're going to get to a postseason, and that's good for all of us. And and Ben, real quick, you, you're you're for the bubble too in terms of postseason. Sounds like that's going to happen. I think anything we need to do to protect that postseason happening, we should do. And it's look, it may be easier for me to say if I'm not the one personally affected as much by it. I get that. Um, but we've got to keep sort of a higher purpose in mind. All right, Ben, thanks so much. Look forward to talking to you again next Sunday. Thanks, Greg. Great stuff from Pirates GM Ben Sherrington. The Pirates will be in Kansas City next Sunday.